Don't be afraid. Lock the doors. Turn out the lights. And climb into bed. It's time for Hillbilly Dead Time Stories. It's not unusual to hear of a haunted plantation in the southern part of the United States. After all, most of these plantations ran off of slave labor, and it's no secret that most of these slaves were treated cruelly and in many cases ripped away from their families. This led to overall miserable lives. You had in the tragedies of the Civil War, not to mention the many deaths due to illness such as yellow fever, and you had the perfect breeding ground for hauntings. When you hear the term haunted plantation, the Myrtles Plantation is probably the first to come to mind. And for good reason, it is the most well-known haunted plantation. You have probably never heard of the Rotherwood Plantation in Tennessee. Until today. Her name was Rowena, and it is said that in her day, she was the fairest maiden in all of Holston Valley. There's little doubt that she was her father's greatest joy and his ultimate sorrow. Rowena's father, the Reverend Frederick A. Ross, was a man who always liked to think of himself as a Virginia gentleman. Reverend Ross was quite an enterprising young man. As a matter of fact, it was he who laid out the Tennessee town of Rossville, later called Kingsport, and he founded another community named Christianville. In addition to founding towns, buildings, bridges, and ministering to his flock, the Reverend also ran Rotherwood Plantation. While his duties often kept him quite busy, the Reverend still found time to read. Frederick Ross was particularly fond of the writings of Sir Walter Scott, so much so, in fact, that he named Rotherwood after a locale in Scott's epic romance, Ivanhoe. He even named his daughter after the heroine of the same novel. Reverend Ross showered his daughter Rowena with everything a father's money could buy, for he could deny her nothing. In a short span of years, the flaxen-haired Rowena grew from a child to a young woman. As talented as she was beautiful, Rowena was educated in the finest northern schools and was a skilled musician and charming hostess who was much sought after by all the young gentlemen of Kingsport. She had been out of school for just a few years when a young man won her heart and persuaded her to marry him. It so happened that on the day before their wedding, the groom went on a fishing trip on the Holston River with some friends promising to be back in time for the nuptials. As their small boat drifted down the north fork of the Holston River toward Rotherwood, some say that the craft had just come within sight of Rowena when it capsized in the river's unpredictable currents. Soon the desperate cries of the drowning men echoed off the surrounding hills. Reverend Ross's servants rushed to the men's assistance as did everyone else within earshot. All of the men were rescued except for one, Rowena's beloved. Rescue parties searched all day and into the night, 
and when dawn came, they dragged the river once more. Finally, at the very hour the young couple were to have been wed, searchers recovered the groom's body. His bloated and discolored corpse was brought ashore near Rotherwood as beautiful Rowena looked on in horror. Words cannot express the agony the young girl suffered in the weeks and the months that followed. The outgoing, fun-loving Rowena became a semi-recluse, rarely venturing forth from the confines of Rotherwood. After two years, she finally emerged from her mourning and gradually began to socialize again. She met new people and seemed to have regained at least part of her former joyous spirit. In time, Rowena married one of the many suitors eager for her hand, a rich man with a good reputation for the Knoxville area. For a while, it seemed that Rowena had regained her happiness, but before long, her new husband contracted yellow fever and died. And then the beautiful young woman again entered a period of mourning. Rowena eventually emerged from her grief, but it would be 10 years before she could bring herself to accept the hand of another suitor. Her second marriage to Edward Temple of Alabama produced a daughter also named Rowena. But happiness, once more, proved elusive for the sad-eyed lady of the Highlands. Haunted by the spirit of her dead lover who called nightly. Haunted by the spirit of her drowned lover who called for her nightly. Or perhaps it was simply the sight of the mansion and its grounds brought back all the painful memories to a woman already weary of this world. Either way, one moonlit night, Rowena heard the call of the river. No one else heard it, but to Rowena, it was as clear as a siren song. She climbed the wooden staircase to the upper floor and opening a large leather and wood chest, drew out an old wedding dress, the gown in which she had planned to marry her first love. Donning the white dress, Rowena descended the stairs once more, moving swiftly and silently so as not to wake anyone. Forsaking her six-year-old daughter and all others who still loved her, Rowena strolled quickly through the moonlit trees, making her way down to the slope of the river. Some say that from the banks of the Holston's North Fork, Rowena could see in the moonlight a pale gray hand reckoning her from the middle of the river. Was it the wind rustling through the trees? Or could she really hear a voice gently whispering, Come to me and be my love? Rowena, as if in a trance, calmly walked into the water. Mountain streams in this area run clear and very cold, but that night the Holston River felt warm and welcoming to the pale lady. The water slowly enveloped and devoured the flaxen hair beauty, and that was the last of Rowena Ross Temple and the beginning of the legend of Rotherwood. Not long after Rowena's death, neighbors and passerbys began to see a young woman dressed all in white wandering the banks of the Holston River near the Rotherwood Mansion. Many believe it is the spirit of Rowena searching the riverbank for her lost love. Joe Ellis, whose parents were caretakers at Rotherwood in the 1920s, remembers vividly the lady in white. She recalls seeing the shade of Rowena sitting upstairs in a rocking chair, waiting for her lost love to arrive. A doctor in Kingsport recalls a boyhood encounter with the specter while picking strawberries at Rotherwood. One day as he knelt by a patch of strawberries, the lady in white walked up and stood next to him. That was the last time he ventured into the plantation grounds. The Lady in White is not the only restless spirit wandering about Rotherwood. Frederick Ross, distraught over the loss of his only child, lost interest in worldly affairs. His numerous business interests began to falter and he fell into debt. In 1847, to pay Ross's debts, Rotherwood and over a thousand acres of land were sold to Joshua Phipps. The Reverend Ross was a very good, godly man. He was concerned with the matters of the spirit and of the mind. 
Joshua Phipps, on the other hand, was a man wholly inclined to be the opposite. East Tennessee in the mid-19th century generally was not a slaveholding region, and plantations such as Rotherwood were rare. Rotherwood had upwards of 40 slaves in its heyday, a large number by East Tennessee standards, but small by comparison to the great plantations of West Tennessee and Mississippi. Though slavery and being a slave owner was despicable in its own right. The stereotype of the plantation owner as a sadistic monster was more the exception and not the rule. Unfortunately, Joshua Phipps was one of the exceptions. It's said that Phipps had a mean streak as wide as the Tennessee River. People in Kingsport don't like to talk much about Phipps even today, and if they do, it's usually under their breath as if they're afraid that he might hear what they are actually saying. What horrors transpired at Rotherwood under Phipps's rule remains a matter of morbid speculation, but they were real enough. The owner kept a whipping post in his room on the mansion's third floor, and there he would brutalize his slaves whenever he pleased. Their blood still stains the room's floorboards. To this day, it's said that when it rains, the stains return, as if the house cannot forget the cruelty it has witnessed. People began to shun Rotherwood. It's no wonder, since agonizing screams emanating from the upstairs whipping room occasionally could be heard echoing through the surrounding hills. The cruelty of Joshua Phipps was proverbial, and his reputation for cruelty became part of the mansion's legend. Generations later, parents in the area still used his name as kind of a byword for the boogeyman. Don't go out after dark or Joshua Phipps will get you, they would warn. There seemed to be something unnatural about Phipps's cruelty, and the manner of his death and his subsequent burial only served to confirm area residents' beliefs that the house was infested by a wickedness of supernatural proportions. From the fall of 1847 to the summer of 1861, Phipps continued to prosper while his slaves endured his evil reign as best that they could. But just before Tennessee and the rest of the nation plunged into the massive bloodletting that was the American Civil War, Phipps fell deathly ill. A black youth stood nearby, gently fanning him, and was witness to the man's last moments. As Phipps laid on his deathbed, gasping for breath, swarms of flies materialized seemingly out of nowhere and made straight for the stricken man. More and more flies came into the room, landing on Phipps' face and crawling into his mouth and nostrils until every orifice on his face was filled with the crawling, buzzing insects. The black youth stood there paralyzed with horror as the man choked and gasped for air through the obscene mass. Within minutes, Phipps was dead. The Lord of the Flies had come to collect his own. On July 10, 1861, hundreds gathered at Rotherwood Mansion to attend Phipps' funeral, more out of curiosity than sympathy, one suspects. Once the service was completed, the coffin was carried outside and placed in the horse-drawn wagon for the trip to the graveyard. Strangely, however, when the driver snapped the reins, the horses strained in their harnesses but could not budge the wagon. The sky began to darken, taking on a laden and gloomy effect. After much effort, a stronger team of horses was brought out and hitched to the hearse. Again, the driver snapped his reins and cracked his whip, but the wagon moved only a few feet. A third team, consisting of large dray horses, was brought up and harnessed to the wagon and with considerable difficulty managed to pull the hearse carrying Phipps up the hill toward the cemetery. All of the while, the sky became darker and darker, and it appeared that a terrible storm was brewing. As the black draped casket approached the final destination, a flash of lightning split the heavens. 
An ominous rumble echoed across the valley and a rush of bone-chilling, unnaturally cold air swept over the crowd. At that exact moment, the black crepe draped over the coffin began to rustle. The crowd turned to watch in horror as the large black dog emerged from under the cloth and once free of the hearse, raced up and over the hill. Everyone stood still, stunned in silent horror at the spectacle. As the rain beat down on the mourners and the onlookers alike, Phipps' remains were quickly interred and those in attendance made their way home as quickly as they could. That night, everyone made sure that they locked their windows and bolted their doors. Since then, many in Kingsport have said that the very same hound of hell can be heard at night, especially on the dark and stormy nights, as it wanders the grounds of Rotherwood in the nearby woods, baying eerily in the gloom. A third ghost also haunts Rotherwood and is perhaps related to Phipps's malevolent spirit. Known as the Lady in Black, this apparition, like the Lady in White, has been seen at various times wandering the plantation grounds. The Lady in Black is believed to be the ghost of a mulatto woman who was Phipps's mistress. It is said that the woman was even more malicious and evil than her lover and that she grievously mistreated the estate's slaves. The Lady in Black was done in by a mob of vengeful slaves who had had enough of her cruelty. Her screams, like those of her victims, resounded through the mansion as the mob savagely beat her to death. The slaves secretly buried her on the grounds of Rotherwood to escape punishment by civil authorities, and to this day, her gravesite remains unknown. The Rotherwood Plantation has had many owners over the years. Even though several of these owners have came and went, the spirits, it seems, have chosen to stay. <laughs>